And welcome everybody to the Hair Wire. The Hair Wire, the show where you get hair smart, guys. I know you want it. I know you need it. So this is it, guys. We're here for you. And today is an amazing show. We have an amazing crew here. I want to present my co-hosts here. Bisan, present yourself. Tell the people who you are. <laughs> <laughs> Hello. Thank you so much. Sergio is the best host ever in this wide world universe. Really, he just pumped energy. Ah, that's I'm trying to. <laughs> every single time. So anyway, you guys, uh, welcome to the Hair Wire. My name is Bisan, and I'm a trichologist and a biochemist. I have a master's degree in biotechnology, and I am a functional medicine uh, health coach in training. So if you want to get, get hair smart, you can follow us at the Hair Wire. Exactly, guys. Also, we have the friendly Carrie Jerry. How are you doing, Carrie? Hi, everyone. I'm doing great. Thank you. My name is Carrie Jarrett. For those who don't know me, I'm a certified trichologist and a master level hairstylist and educator. And I also have a business background and I help mentor many of the people in our industry in trichology and hair and how to transition into the industry. So join us because we have so much to share. We're full of knowledge about hair oh, loss, yes. business, you name it. Sergio? That's it, guys. For me, I'm a biologist, also certified trichologist. I've been an educator for so many years, and we're here to combine our forces to give you the know, the know on how to treat your hair and how to make the hair the best ever. You need, you deserve your best hair ever, guys. And this is why you're watching the Hair Wire, guys. So today we have an amazing show. Today we're going to be talking about hair loss. <laughs> But we knew that last time, uh, if you were following our uh, previous broadcast, which I hope, guys, that you're watching our show. And if you aren't, just remember to click the subscribe button, hit the notification bell, and give us a like. <laughs> that way, you know, our algorithm could start working and more people can get the information out there so, because we all need it. We all need to take care of our hair. So today we're going to be, today we're going to be talking about telogen effluvium, but all the forms of hair loss. So uh, whenever we talk about telogen effluvium, this, uh, what it does it mean to have telogen effluvium? Because a lot of people uh, think that, you know, telogen fluming is like a dumpster type of hair loss. I was like, what? <laughs> yes, because everything that is not uh, androgenetic alopecia or, or alopecia rata, then it's telogen fluvium. So it's yeah. a dumpster type of terminology, <laughs> is it? <laughs> well, kind of, in a way. Uh, <laughs> it's an interesting way to say that. But yes, like telogen fluvium, basically when it's acute hair loss. Like we have chronic conditions in our health, we have acute conditions. Acute condition when you break your leg, this is an acute condition. And chronic condition is when a person develops diabetes over time. That's a chronic condition. Same with hair loss. If you have an acute hair loss, means over a short period of time that got triggered from certain thing. And that certain thing could be could be either infection, could be hormonal imbalance, could be oral contraceptives, could be a sudden change in your diet or crash dieting, uh, could be uh, injury. That sudden change or sudden trigger in your health will trigger a sudden hair loss. However, this sudden hair loss, it is as massive it is. Sometimes it will be so massive. Sometimes it will be a little bit of hair loss. It depends on the uh, how 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 the effect how, how big the trigger was basically exactly 
and how healthy you are, depending on how healthy you are too. But anyway, the, uh, that this sudden hair loss will not last forever. And Thank God for that, because I mean, <laughs> I if, if it lasts forever, I mean, unfortunately, we have lots of people that when they go through telogen effluvium, it could last for years. Now, Carrie, uh, walk us a little bit about your experience with telogen effluvium and your clients behind the chair. Yeah, I see it quite often. And a lot of times clients will come in and experience a high shedding. But because I'm a hairstylist as well, I talk to my clients. So I know their personal lives as well. Um, so as a trichologist it, it's a, and a hairstylist, I have a win-win because if I know my client and they're coming up to something that might be stressful, or if I know their regular routines, I might be able to prepare them for something that may come up with the mass amounts of hair loss, right? So for me, like I, I see it quite often. I, and it's with high stress, most of the time it's people with a traumatic change or something, a stress trauma. And when it comes to stress, a lot of people think like, oh, I'm not stressed, nothing's going on. Well, as a trichologist who has an epigenetics background myself, I look at four stress factors, my exactly. intake stress, my environmental stress, my trauma stress, and my physical stress. And I help pinpoint exactly where it's coming from. So you know, I, I take it to the next level. And I think as a hairstylist, because I have that intimate relationship with them, and I'm constantly touching them, they're more open mm -hmm. to talk about that stuff. So I do say it quite often. Yeah, it's interesting how we see so many uh, different scenarios in which lead up to a telogen effluvium event. Now, Kerry, you have a presentation that uh, I, we want to show our folks here on, you know, so we can go point by point of the different things that are happening to the hair loss, you know, that are causing hair loss basically in your lives. But as uh, Bissan and, and Kerry has mentioned, guys, um, whenever we talk about telogen effluvia, we're talking an, of an event of hair shedding, basically. Now, this event usually starts about six to 16 weeks after you have an event, like, for instance, the loss of uh, uh, siblings, uh, fathers, uh, you know, uh, a divorce, uh, something very heavily into the emotional area. Maybe you crashed diet, maybe you had uh, hormonal imbalances. There's so many things. That's uh, that's why at the beginning, you know, uh, joking around, you know, using the terminology of a trash can type of uh, condition. But the thing is that whenever uh, most specialists don't find a solution to what's going on, can't figure it out what's happening, usually they will start thinking about telogen effluvium because there's usually an interruption on the hair cycle. And so we need to find out which type of interruption. So that's what it means at the end of the day. Well, and I'm glad you brought this up and brought telogen effluvium first, because with the amount of times that I see my clients, and a lot of people don't know what a trichologist is, particularly yeah. where I am. And those who don't know, I'm in Canada, Northern Alberta. A lot of people don't know what a trichologist, so they don't know who or where to go. So the first thing they do is they have hair loss, they call their doctor, get in with a dermatologist mm -hmm. or go see a surgeon. Now, the thing is, is when you have hair loss, a lot of people go and be like, oh, I have alopecia. Well, you guys, there's <laughs> more than one type of alopecia. Exactly. And before you can diagnose or figure out what type of alopecia you have, you got to do an assessment. You got to figure out what it is and go see a specialist that understands the types of hair losses because you can treat something and cause a worse reaction, cause oh, yeah. more hair loss. And so with the telogen effluvium, with the amount of people under stress and the food pandemic, which we've talked about earlier in other episodes, mm -hmm. that telogen effluvium is on the rise so you have people coming in and going for 
recommendations from their doctors and they're getting getting told to take Rogaine and PRP treatments when they don't may not necessarily need it. And so this episode, we really, really wanted to dive deep in the different types of alopecia. So you're educated and aware before you start making those decisions and start doing treatments that you do not need, making the situation worse. I know so, that many of those treatments are very fashionable because, yeah. you know, everybody wants to do the, the latest trend thing, you know, what's the latest, what's the best I mean, guys, there's no such thing as the best treatment as it is. What is the best treatment for you? That's yeah. a whole nother thing. And it's because not a one the size best treatment for the doctor is the one that gives you money. You know, the ones that pay, that's the one that's best for the doctor. <laughs> and I, I want to add to both of you. You said like gems actually carry. Uh, and we, we started with telogen effluvium for a reason because telogen effluvium actually it is a blessing in disguise because how come? How come? Yes. How do I, I agree. I 100% agree with that statement. Yeah. Yes. Because like, let us say you, you didn't have um, like an emergency, an event less, like, like Sergio was talking about, okay. but you're starting to have extreme shedding in a, in a very short period of time. That mm -hmm. means it's just like God way to tell you, go figure out something wrong in your body. Then ah, you can do an epigenetic ah. test, it's fine. Maybe it's a nutrition deficiency. Maybe uh, maybe you started a medication and it's not go going well with you. It's an indication. Hair is an indication for our inside. And that is really, really important. That's why trichologists are gems. Because trichologists are not only prescription people or only one one treatment kind of people no trichologists are as Kerry said they're therapists they are psychologists <laughs> they, they make your hair look good they know yeah. the different kind of hair loss they can relieve your stress they can be your friend and educate you and take your hand one step at a time to figure out what is the root cause of your hair loss yeah. And I always say, I always say hair is an essential biomarker. It is our body's way to communicate with us because we are so busy in this world. We don't pay attention to our own health until we start to deplete. Right. Oh yeah. So it's kind of like a red flag saying, Hey, my hair's dull. It's breaking. It's brittle. Your scalp's breaking out. You got what's, going on? what's yeah. going on. What's it telling you? You're not listening to your body when you have a headache or stomach ache. So now your body's like, Hey, you're not listening to me. I'm going to give you a reaction. Oh, you're not listening to me again? Okay, fine. I'm going to make your hair fall out. Now you listen. Right? It's, it's a trigger. Absolutely. I'm glad you said that because I tell my clients all the time, like, what is your hair or lack of hair telling you? It's dull for a reason. It's breaking for a reason. It's graying faster yep. for a reason. Why? Let's investigate that. Let's get to the root, literally the root cause of it. Listen well, to your hair, guys. Listen to your hair and listen to the hair wire. <laughs> that's why the hair wire is here <laughs> it is a free education for your all your needs about hair that's it <laughs> yeah hair smart <laughs> hair smart yeah, hair smart <laughs> all so, right uh, we have a presentation so carrie take us away please all right so i'm gonna load this up There we go. Here we go. All right. Now, again, hair loss. Did you know there is more than one type of alopecia? Mm. I, I don't know why, why people skip that so much. You know, they think about alopecia and they think that it's just one uh, type of hair loss. I mean, because they're only seeing the hair 
at the at the hands, you know, the the hair that goes into the drain, and they think that all types of hair loss are the same, and they're not. That the big misconception, big one. Yeah. All right. So the first one we're going to talk about alopecia areata. This one I chose first mainly because I have been seeing this a lot, and I actually have autoimmune disorders myself. I have two of them, um, psoriasis and celiac. And so I see a lot of people come with me because they know I understand autoimmune disorders through experiential living myself. And you see this quite often, and it's an autoimmune disorder that causes the hair loss on the scalp in parts of the body. So it can happen on your chin, your legs, your eyebrows, and there are patches. Vassan, um, you want to talk a little bit about that? Uh, yes. So alopecia areata, as Carrie says, it's an autoimmune disorder. And this is actually, we thank, like we thank our hair to give us a sign uh, that is a visible sign what is going on inside. Uh, it could be worse than a just simple area that is lacking hair. It could be even like, um, like autoimmune disorders are, um, it's not my specialty, but autoimmune disorders are very scary one. It comes because we can't actually, um, it's very hard to treat. Uh, but yes, alopecia areata, as you can see here, uh, the hair follicles kind of disappear in a in a in a patchy way. And when it comes to the hair, like when it's on the scalp, sometimes it become it will be seen like one patch. Sometimes it will be seen like two or three multiple patches. This is not contagious, guys. Some people think that this is contagious condition, but it is not. The hair follicles it themselves weaken to a point that they died, and. If depending on the severity or when did this alopecia areata started, it can be reversed. If it is in the beginning of it, when you tame your, your immunity, when you figure out the autoimmune disorder that caused that part, then the hair follicles, if they're not that 100%, with microneedling, with some stimulation, it can, it, it will, it can, it can revive some of these follicles and they come back again. Otherwise, if this, if, for example, if this uh, part here on a scalp on a on a on a lady, scalp micropigmentation is a great solution for that. I perform scalp micropigmentation on patches like this, but scalp micropigmentation cannot be done on a on a patch that is red or newly formed. It has to be. Um, it has to be there for many, many years that we know it's a sequential alopecia already dead. Then we can cover it up and the lady's hair can cover it, can like, you know, camouflage it over that part and it will be camouflaged nicely. But yeah, yeah. this is what I can say about alopecia areata. And now with autoimmune disorders, like I know it's, uh, a lot of people don't know everything about autoimmune disorders, but for myself with it, I found what my triggers were internal and emotionally. So I know for myself, I will have, I could be triggered and my psoriasis will flare up. And so I find with a lot of autoimmune disorders, once you find out where your trigger is, whether it's stress of losing a job, having trauma, or it could be having something that you ate. For myself, I know dairy and gluten is a common trigger for me to flare up. So I go in there with a, with um, with mindful thoughtfulness for my body and be like, okay, is it worth having the cheese? Because I'm going to have a reaction, but you got to weigh it out. And most autoimmune disorders are like that. They have a trigger that will induce it, whether it be emotional or an intake trigger that will cause and cause that inflammation. And it's a matter of just taking that time and understanding you 
your triggers and analyzing you. And remember guys, it's not a one size fits all world. And I find a lot of times they say, oh, this is your trigger. This is your trigger. But you really have to sit and understand yourself and figure out and kind of analyze your own self and analyze what those triggers are um, that might be inducing it. So, you know, reverse engineer when things happened. Okay. So we know that alopecia areata takes about such and such time. What happened in that time frame before that? That might have triggered that. Did you get in a car accident? Did you have a loss? Did you have a high amounts of alcohol during that time? What was the trigger? Change of medication. And then you could kind of start figuring out and start making an analysis of what triggers the alopecia areata for you. And it's an autoimmune disorder. It's, it's one of those things that once you understand your body, you could help control it a little bit more. Um, Sergio, what do you have to say about that? Yesterday, I had a little girl. She was about a year and a half. And uh, she was brought to me from New York. And the thing is, uh, I uh, completed a epigenetic test on her and her immune response was off the chart. So one of the things that uh, we encountered that we discovered during the evaluation process was that uh, she was lacking on vitamin C, vitamin B5, and inositol. And one of the things that the uh, test was showing us that you know, that little girl should stop eating <laughs> things like chicken, okay, and uh, 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 a grapefruit, uh, I would say, uh, uh, yeah, uh, the, the, the little uh, um, <laughs> fruits that is green, uh, uh, grape, grape, okay. yeah, grape, yeah, <laughs> sorry, my Spanish starts to kick in, guys, this is an international <laughs> show, so <laughs> let me, let me tell you that one, right, <laughs> <laughs> and, and, and many other foods, you know, that that little girl should avoid in order to get the immune response into balance. Because you see, with alopecia areata, it's very different for uh, in every case. It, it doesn't so, show the same way. It will not show the same type of food intolerance on every case. So it, it is quite unique. And because it is quite unique, it's very hard to treat um, on on a clinical level. Now. One of the main features that we usually see with alopecia urata is the inflammation. We will start seeing inflammation. So one of the things that we want to tackle into the process is to reduce inflammation and to get the immune system to work with us, not against us. And that is why microneedling is such an important part of a treatment with alopecia areata, especially with kids. I see tremendous growth of hair very fast because we are working to basically uh, doing the, the key unlock thing, you know, trying to figure out the exact route for each patient. And as we go through the process and we eliminate those things that will not work, then we start adding things that will. And of course, uh, we start getting hair back. So it, it's an amazing process, but it's very tricky, very hard type of alopecia to treat. So uh, I would say to the people who are watching, do not get discouraged if you have been treating alopecia areata for years. Uh, and if you just had it uh, recently, uh, get ready for the round because uh, alopecia areata can sometimes be very difficult. About 70% of patients who experience alopecia areata for the first time, uh, they will only see it as a once-in-a-lifetime event. But there's a 30% of them that will see it as a reoccurring event. So you have to watch out for those. Yeah. All right. Off to the next alopecia. Halogen effluvium, which we talked a little bit in here. Sergio, you want to continue sure. on this one? Let's start it here. Uh, telogen fluvium, as we were mentioning, is a type of hair loss that uh, basically you see as a shedding event. Now, this shedding event 
can start small and it can grow larger. Usually it happens suddenly, but if it, when it doesn't, one of the things that, one of the main features that we'll see is the uh, diffuse type of alopecia. So we start seeing hair loss in just about everywhere in our scalp. Now that happens over time, but usually it starts with the shedding heavy shedding, and then over time, we will start seeing the alopecia, the diffuse alopecia uh, starting to form up, specifically on the sides and on the top of our head. Usually the back of the head uh, doesn't get as much hair loss as the other areas on the scalp. Uh, one of the other features that we may look for is thinning of the eyebrows. Again, uh, that's one of the features that could be related to telogen effluvium. And as we mentioned before, uh, it can happen because of stress, hormone, diets, medications, lifestyle, even, uh, you know, uh, get hit in a, a particular area. <laughs> the trauma, a blunt force trauma can also cause telogen effluvium as well. Yeah, so it's here, it's it's uh, good to, to to say that we have two kinds of telogen effluvium, either an acute telogen effluvium or a chronic one. So the acute telogen effluvium, it could be like postpartum hair loss, like the one I had after the baby, um, because of the changing of the hormones, as Sergio was saying. Or uh, sometimes when we take medications like oral contraceptives, uh, it, the, your body will not um, will 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 struggle actually to process whatever medication or new medication you are on, and then the sign the sign that your hair will start falling, and it will fall with a massive amount, and it can be freaky at some point. But the good thing that telogen effluvium, as we said before, it doesn't last for long, uh, somewhere between three to six months, and it is hundred percent reversible as long as it didn't stay for a long time. So the chronic telogen effluvium, it's kind of the telogen effluvium, like a lot of shedding, but it is over a longer period of time. Uh, also, this is a little bit difficult than the acute one because uh, your hair follicles were under stress for a longer period of time to reverse engineer it. Engineer it it's going to take double the time that it took. And again, it is the same thing with all kinds of alopecia. You want to know what, hap what happened, what is the trigger. You go fix the trigger so you can... Um, you can reduce the amount of hair loss by time until you at least stabilize it. Um, but telogen effluvium, as I said before, it is a, uh, it is a blessing in disguise. The, the funny thing is, you know, as we see the hair loss abyss, we start seeing also the thinning uh, as it progresses. And eventually it could uh, also become cicatricial if, le if the condition persists. That, that's one of the, the key areas of it now we see a lot of that during covid haven't we carrie yes well we have well we have and i'm going to touch base too as a hairstylist seeing people telogen effluvium i often see people like go from washing their hair um regularly and then they notice the shedding and then they decide not to wash their hair as often mm -hmm. and oh, so the man. hairs that they would <laughs> shed typically starts to build up build up build up and then when they wash yep. it they're like quadruple the amount that they would have lost but it's because they built up the hair shed over the week thinking thinking that it will not fall out as much because they're not washing as often it is that quite the, the biggest mistake i would say that people make <laughs> actually you mentioned something Sergio, very important uh so after the pandemic we had the covid pandemic uh actually there was a research that i read this morning 25% of the people who got uh, uh, COVID, who got, got hit with COVID, 
gut collagen effluvium hair loss. Yes, um, it's a big one. Exactly. Yep. I mean, uh, so people, people were coming to the clinic with bags of hair, bags. I'm not <laughs> talking about, you know, little pouches. No, I'm talking about bags, Sandwich big time bags. bags. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. the, the top, I, I, I'm going to read you the, what, what the article says. So the top four, uh, four symptoms of COVID, you know how you have COVID, is the first one, you have fatigue, headache, attention deficit, and the fourth one, sorry, the third one was hair loss. The fourth one was attention deficit. So it was number wow. three in the list that you have hair loss as an indication of that COVID that that hits you, basically. And it's tremendous. I mean, you will see it. it, it it's, I mean, you will see three months later after you had COVID, boom, you start experiencing telogen flu. And I mean, it's not like it's perfectly 12 weeks for everyone. But yeah. most people that I've seen yeah. is either on the sixth week, 12 week, or on the 16th week. So th th those are the basic the basic parameters in which I'm seeing uh, people coming into the clinic after they had COVID. Now, the thing is, how do we treat this type of condition, Carrie? How, how you treat telogen effluvium? I know that in each case is quite unique, but what are some of the main features or, or some of the recommendations that we can make generally for people who are experiencing telogen effluvium? Uh, for myself with lethal intelligent fluium, of course, considering the age demographic that they're in, um, my favorite recommendation is collagen and eating high protein and watching what you eat. So I do encourage people to increase their collagen intake. So um, uh, uh, broth, what's it? Yeah. Bone broth, bone broth, bone broth. Um, is a really good one where there is collagen supplements that you can take. Um, I, I tell them to start increasing and being aware of the foods that they're eating and making sure you're having a good balance of amino acids and fatty acids. And I explain to them how they should be eating. And I know a lot of times too, I know a lot of people are, especially in January, are in weight loss mode. And so they're watching what they <laughs> eat. But And then you're healing after COVID and hair loss and they're trying to grow their hair, but they're avoiding healthy carbs. Carbs. Yeah. And you need healthy carbs for health production too, because it all works as a system. You need to yes. have your proteins, your healthy carbs, your healthy fats. And a lot of people like cut carbs, cut this, cut that, plus recovering from COVID and hair loss. So I remind them what a well-balanced diet is, particularly for hair loss, because that's our industry. I am going to encourage hair growth. And so I encourage them with foods like that. So making sure you eat eat all the foods that are going to stimulate that hair growth. I remind them circulation. So tapping is a big one. I love tapping yes. or scalp massages to get the circulation. Um, and then the next one is exercise. You need to get your exercise. We need to get that heart pumped for 20 minutes a day because that heart pumping is going to help circulate the oxygen in your blood to stimulate hair growth. And even as tired as you are, you got to push through it. Eventually, it'll just come easy peasy. But I find that is usually a case too. It's because after COVID, you're tired, lethargic, yada, yada, yada. But we need to get our system up and going again. And you need to push Tell through. Me. I mean, after yeah. COVID, <laughs> I've been gaining about 30 pounds or something like that. Now, Biz, <laughs> let's not talk about uh, weight loss here. <laughs> what are all the recommendations that we can tell our folks uh, in generally? What can they do for telogen effluvium? Uh, so the beauty of a, like a cosmetologist who is also a trichologist is she knows or he knows that telogen effluvium is a chronic or sorry, it's an acute hair shedding and that's why and this like usually hair styling should be a little bit 
hands-off hairstyling. Uh, your, your hair follicles are a little bit weak, uh, so I, I think hairstyling should be put off until this uh, chronic, this, I, I keep saying chronic, this acute phase passes. <laughs> um, and also, as, as Carrie said, she said it all, that your, your diet, your exercise, um, and just make just remember that it's going to pass and don't panic because the more you panic, the more stress you're going to have on your body, then it's just a vicious cycle. Just relax, listen to the hair wire, you know, it's going to be <laughs> very temporarily and then it will pass. And, and yes. it, you don't have to treat, cautious of treating something that you don't have to, because the amount of people too, I, I see it often that they'll go to a dermatologist or, or a, somebody and they'll give them PRP treatments and all these treatments that they do yes. not yeah. need. Yeah. Let me say That's that. True. Yeah, let me, yeah. Let, me, let, me say, let me say exactly what Carrie was saying. At this phase, scalp micropigmentation is a no, 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 because that the hair the scalp is it's exposed right now but this is not permanent this is very temporary so the the minute you start like doing needles or microneedling or whatever it is you're doing it's just gonna hurt the hair follicles make them even weaker and scalp micropigmentation will not help at this point because you don't know what's gonna happen when the hair stabilizes. scalp micropigmentation should not be done on only if the, the hair loss or the hair is stable, basically. And um, anything, all the PRP, all kind of treatments is actually, it will cause harm then, then actually will do help. Yeah, those type of invasive treatments uh, should be in a minimum, if not wait until, you know, mm -hmm. the hair, the, 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 you know, the, the part where the heavy hair shedding is happening after that has happened, then we can move on. Uh, usually what I like to say for people when they're starting is, you know, uh, as a small regime, you know, as a, this guys, this folks is, is something in general. So if you're experiencing hair loss and you're seeing a lot of hair shedding, what I usually would recommend is for 30 days, just try this for 30 days. After that, you go to your regular routine, but try to wash your hair either every other day or at least daily. Why, Sergio? Because we want to remove all of those hairs that are already uh, been falling out, that the follicles has already pushed out, and we want to remove them. We want to remove them to make way for new hair. Because by cleansing the follicles, we increase the absorption of nutrients, and we are also helping with the blood circulation and the removal of waste. So if we start by simple washing your hair, use your shampoos, use your conditioner, use your living conditioner, your mask, uh, your oils, whatever treatments you have at home, you use them, but use them in a fashion where the, for the first 30 days, you will use it at least daily. And you will start seeing that by the second week, usually you start seeing a reduction in the amount of hair that you're washing on daily basis. Then the first two weeks, you will see, oh my gosh, tons of hair. Yeah. But by the third week, you will start seeing that that same amount is being reduced on daily basis. And now you're seeing, oh, well, Sergio, yes, I'm still seeing shedding, but not as much as on the first and second week. And that is important. That then after 30 days, then you start spacing it out uh, every other day, uh, every two days, at least twice a week, folks. So it will help you into the process. But uh, when you're starting with, with that heavy shedding, 
I will suggest to try this. And if it start working for you, then you start moving to the next phase where is stimulation and we can start uh, doing other things as well. But again, this is very complicated. It's not a one size fits all type of thing. So make sure that whatever is going on, you understand what's happening and you're working your steps to get better. So you guys, androgenic alopecia, we talked about it uh, like in our, in our second episode, you guys, right? Second, second. and third continued. Yeah. yeah. So, but for those that didn't watch just briefly, let's talk about it. And then we can tell them to go watch um, exactly. episode two <laughs> and episode three, because it is rich, full of information and treatments and all of that. But basically for here, um, Desan, yeah. you want to? Yeah. I, uh, so androgenetic alopecia is the, like as uh, if people say uh, call it male or female pattern hair loss or pattern baldness. Uh, it will affect uh, basically 50% of the population, uh, and it has two parts to it. One part, the first part is hereditary, where uh, uh, we 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 uh, inherit the gene that causes hair loss or androgenetic alopecia, and the second part of it is genetic where sometimes there's a trigger that happens to uh, your life uh, and not uh, triggers triggers are not uh, couldn't be that acute like like the telogen effu effluvium it could be as simple as one nutrition deficiency or nutrient deficiency so it will affect the the male and female equally for females it will be like widening of the of the of the part and for males it will be the receding hairlines and the vertex the thinning, but both uh, hereditary or genetic uh, hair loss, they're both together called androgenetic alopecia, um, are relatively the easiest uh, uh, types of hair loss that can be treated, especially if we catch it from the beginning. And we talked about a lot of that treatment Go to episode number two and three. <laughs> yeah, and yeah, guys, go, 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 to, go, go to the to the previous episodes and watch as we talk plenty about androgenetic alopecia. But again, uh, as a reminder, is basically when you start losing hair on the top uh, for shorts. <laughs> yes. And of course, there's many ways that we can treat androgenetic alopecia, but we have to be mindful of you know the stress, the diet. Uh, we can start work there. That's the first place where you want to work. And then we start working with uh, DHT blocking and other techniques uh, to help promote hair growth at the same time that we are keeping the hair, which is very important, guys, to keep the hair. Now, I, I want to mention something about genetic alopecia and, of course, about uh, hair, uh, hair surgery, hair transplant surgery. Hair transplant surgery is not the first option, guys. It's not is the last resort. And <laughs> I see a lot of people getting hair transplant like crazy. Actually, today I saw a video of a young guy had hair transplant and the harvest area was completely destroyed. I mean, it was a bad surgery from the get-go. Uh, Is that I mean, the one where they put it in incorrect too? They had the follicle facing in the wrong direction? Yep, that same one. <sighs> yep, yeah. that same one. I think you posted that one. Yeah, I shared that with you guys. The The poor candidate went to Turkey, got hair transplant surgery when, and he got it young before he was even a candidate if he were yep. to be anywhere else. And they pulled it from, oh, it, it, it's, 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 yeah. it's, it's, it's a, case. it's a heartbreaking case. 
and the thousands of dollars he, he has paid. So you got to be very careful, which we do talk about that in the YouTube videos, episode two and episode three. Go check that out. And as well, too, Vassan talks about two new cutting edge treatments. Techniques, yeah. Techniques. Yeah. One yeah. of them is Botox. So I go know. check that out. Then I we're going to go to the next one because if you guys, we want you to watch our videos, go watch it. <laughs> <laughs> all right Sergio you want to take on this one yes let's talk about cicatricial alopecia now there are many types of cicatricial alopecia I like to always direct my customers who are experiencing any form of cicatricial alopecia to the scarring alopecia foundation it's a, a, a an excellent website scarring alopecia.org uh, scarring alopecia.org and um, it's an amazing place because you will find basically the different forms of uh, scarring alopecia and it will show you different types of treatment that your doctor could, could prescribe during the process. Now, as trichologists, what can we do uh, to treat uh, cicatricial alopecia and what it is cicatricial alopecia? First of all, whenever we talk about cicatricial alopecia is when the follicles die, basically, and that space uh, becomes filled with uh, collagen and, and cicatricial tissue. Uh, and, and of course, what happens is that the follicle will no longer be able to produce new hairs. And that's the important part of it. It's unreversible. So because you cannot reverse it, you have to treat it early. You have to uh, do the best that you can to keep the follicles at place, keep them working. And some way uh, you are able to at least reduce the area by, you know, if you have a follicle, a working follicle who's only producing one type, one hair, one single hair, one single strand, maybe you can up, up, upgrade it to two, three pieces of hair per, per follicle, and that will increase the area uh, that will make the area look greater. Also increasing the diameter of the, of the hair strand uh, will make it look fuller, even though it's the same amount of hair. So there are very different techniques that we can uh, implement into the process to help people with, who are experiencing cicatricial alopecia. Now, the one of the things that happens here is that, again, we have the immune system working against the scalp. And again, we have to stop that immune response. We have to work with the inflammation. And for that end, we are able to stop the hair loss. And of course, uh, later on, we can start working with other techniques to help uh, the area uh, improve. Mm -hmm. I can add that scalp micropigmentation is a perfect solution for oh, superficial yes. alopecia. Yes, Especially if, if there's enough hair to cover up the, the dots, then uh, because superficial alopecia, as Sergio said, that the follicles are already dead. Um, if it is started like, um, Maybe like if this picture, like how we see it, maybe some of these follicles are not 100% dead yet. So these can be revived by stimulation or microneedling or so on, but not the whole area because uh, if it has been diagnosed as crucial alopecia. And also, again, again, we have to know the root cause. Yeah. But that's, what, that's one of the, the hardest part of it, you know, understanding what, what caused it and... Okay. You know, especially, treating treating that that inflammation is very hard for sometimes. Yeah, especially uh, especially the traction alopecia. It's when 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 ladies put her her hair in a very tight, uh, like uh, like hairstyles, then the track the, the 
that the pressure on the hair follicles, the continuous pressure on the hair follicles will make it weaker and weaker and it, until it dies. So the, 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 like the awareness, the education will, that we, we spread here over and the hair wire will let you understand that uh, we shouldn't go to that far where it, the hair follicle become dead because if it's weak, it can be revived. Yeah, and I'm going to touch base as a, from a hairstylist perspective too, because I see this Please. quite often <laughs> and I am a huge advocate and those who are in the hair industry that do follow me, I also go as carried on in the, in the hairstyling industry. I've been a huge advocate of education and making sure you understand if somebody is certified, licensed or trained, because there's a lot of our industry, especially depending on the state or province that you are, um, where things aren't regulated. So applying hair extensions or opening up a quote unquote licensed salon and practicing licensed services when you need to have a business license and a license in your industry as a barber or hairstylist and a lot of people don't realize that and so I see often where people go on Kijiji or Facebook and they find somebody doing hair extensions in their area and they're not trained there's somebody who just decided to get up and be like I'm going to apply hair extensions but they're applying them incorrectly causing follicle damage and until you understand yeah. how to apply them properly to prevent things like traction alopecia or even doing chemical burns. I've seen with Brazilian bloats, a lot of people with chemical burns. I have yep. one client, we're working on a lawsuit right now um, because I do investigate some stuff to confirm if it's um, scarring alopecia for people. But she had somebody put a Brazilian blowout, which is illegal here where I am, put it on and left her. Whoa. To go home and wash it out herself. And she has no severe. Way. Yes severe chemical burns. I have another young gentleman, which I've been helping with. Um, he went to a licensed barber in a town just outside in another province from here. And he's coming to see me now. And the barber used unsanitized barbering tools, caused a fungus on his scalp and caused Ugh. a permanent scar on there. And it was because he didn't sanitize his tools. And a lot of licensed people were trained to sanitize, were trained to clean all this stuff. And so it's very important for you to also understand where pe people are educated in doing what they're doing too. So we don't cause permanent damage, right? So I see it quite often. Um, I'm a big advocate of, of being aware and you have the full right you have 100% right to challenge and ask somebody about their education, were they trained? Um, maybe it is education that they've been passed down, which I'm a firm believer of apprenticing under, like, you know, if you're, um, you grew up in a salon or your aunts were hairdressers and you grew up an apprentice as somebody, yes, that's the same education. But say somebody just decided, oh, I'm going to do hair today and start applying extensions without having any <laughs> previous experience from being passed down from, say, their mom or their grandma or their dad or actually going to school for it. That's totally different. So you have the, the, all the right to ask. You can also ask for any other certificates if they are um, uh, approved by, you know, their their little sit their local city with a permit. We have to have uh, an inspection to make sure that we are sanitary to open. You have the full right to ask for that, and especially when it comes to things like chemical burns or straight blading and all of that. So very important stuff. Very important, guys. All right, next one. All right, so we went over the four major 
types of alopecia, but these are other common ones that we see when we break down. I just wanted to put these windows in here because we see this quite often. And I don't know about you, but me in my chair, I'm seeing a lot of people with trichotillomania. Yeah. So yeah, trichotillomania, it is because of the stress that after the pandemic, actually that happened uh, for a lot of people. Uh, I saw a lot of uh, uh, people who are suffering from trichotillomania. And it is not only picking up on the hair. Trichotillomania means that person will pick up on the hair without themselves aware of they are doing that. Uh, and it is uh, just a response from their nervous system. Um, it, sometimes it will be for guys on their, um, you know, beard hair, or uh, um, sometimes it will be uh, hair from the from the scalp or the beard or even hair body. And this is this is very sad in a way because. Um, the only solution for that is mental health. Yeah. And uh, these days, mental health is a big issue after all what we went through through the pandemic and uh, a lot of people lost their jobs or loss of dear ones. So this is need a psychiatric uh, treatment or uh, just managing managing your stress with all kind of stress management that available. Yeah, so, like... You could see even a life coach or somebody who can understand with empathy and sympathy. Um, I do see quite often, I have a few clients with trichotillomania that I see. I have a life coaching background too, so I do help and consult with people and work with the psychologist as well for a lot of these people that I talk to. Um, but often, and I've heard hairstylists even saying this, we'll just stop it. Oh, you can. Just stop it. You can. You, you can't. Can. You can't. No, 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 no. Actually, right. they Sometimes, sometimes they, these people are picking on their hair without even knowing. They don't actually yeah. know. And it's an involuntary nervous yeah. system. Yeah. Uh, nervous response, sorry. Yeah, myself, like, I notice sometimes my husband catches me. I have, uh, I can't say, dermatillomania, <laughs> where you pick the scabs on the back and I, when my psoriasis flares up yeah. and I don't know because I'm nervous. So yeah. he knows that I'm nervous because I'm in there picking, but I don't even know I'm doing it. But yeah. now when he notices, he's like, Harry, what are you, what's triggering you right now? I'm like, oh, yeah, I guess so. And little things, even driving on the highway, I'll do it. Yeah, like, you're you, nervous. You don't know. Yeah, uh, that, that's the that's the problem with trichotillomania. I mean, is it's part of the family of uh, OCDs, obsessive compulsive disorders, and to treat those guys, uh, you should visit a, a psychologist or a psychiatrist who specialized in OCD. Mm -hmm. Now, uh, the treatment uh, it's 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 quite challenging because it, it's about behavioral changes and most of the time if people are not aware of them it's very hard to change that type of uh behavior <laughs> if we may again but the thing is it's treatable it's treatable but people need to be willing uh to help out into the process they need to really be engaged and you know be willing to accept that they have a condition even though they don't understand that they're pulling their hair usually when we see that with the microscope uh we see the way the hair breaks because of the length of the hair breakage many people will, will come to the clinic and they will say oh i have a, a alopecia areata it's not the same there's very few uh, uh, traits, very few characteristics that we can pick up and, and identify. This is not alopecia reata. This is trichotillomania. You're picking your, your hair. You're, you're pulling out your hair. No, I'm not. The evidence shows the contrary. So 
uh, we we need you know to uh, uh, let people into the process and let them understand that you know this is what's happening it's normal we can work it out <laughs> take it easy you know, be calm about it and specifically with parents and kids you know it's not like uh you know you're going to be hitting the hand every time that you're not going to change the behavior because you hit the hand what's going to happen is that the kid is going to hide into the room and they're going to be pulling their hair out so there Or are ways shamed. to treat they it. feel shame yes. yeah, yeah. That's the yeah. thing. That's you the can't thing. You bring know, it to attention like that. Exactly. Yeah. You guys are parents. You know. You know what that is. Yeah. Uh, yeah. That's really hard. Yeah. But there's two things that I heard about. I don't know how effective they are. But there's a band that they wear, and every time your hand goes up here, it shocks you, and then you will. Oh yeah. Okay. Uh, I'm not gonna do that anymore. Yeah. Uh, that's right. It, I, I know the band you're talking about. You know, I can't yeah, think of the I, name. I forgot. <laughs> Yeah, I heard about it one time and uh, I never saw any client who used it in front of me, but I heard about it. And uh, there's another one like where the patch, where usually they, when they pick, they pick on one particular area, either here or here, wherever the area is. Then you put a fake skin over it, like a kind of barrier. So when the cosmetologist will put it for you and um, maybe glue it gently, of course, you don't want to do traction alopecia. <laughs> but like you put it where so when they go there because it's a habit then there's nothing to pick so by time they will unlearn the habit of picking and the last and most important is compassion yes. when i did when i was my most stressed um during college when i was at school my 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 co-worker she put my micro links because i always do it on this side right here yeah. and so if she She put micro links. So every time I'd go in there, I felt them like, oh yeah, okay. And cognitively I started training and being like, no, stop. And I, yep. I never switched. I, it was because it's always this hand and, and it's picking the skin. I'm not picking the hair. So I'm no. causing scarring alopecia on the back of my neck. And I found with that, it was just kind of like that reminder. Like, you know, when you go bite your nails and you could put the nail yeah. polish, it tastes gross. <laughs> But instead here, I felt the beads. I was like, hey, no, I don't want to do that. I'm good. Yeah, that's, a good that's a very good way. That's a very smart way to do it. Yeah, and it, it worked. I still do it once in a while, but not as bad as I used to. Like during exam time. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's a thing, you know, it's dealing with the stress that causes it. You know, there are special, there are specific triggers to it. And, you know, that's why we need uh, a psychologist to help us understand that. <laughs> yeah. yeah. All right. Let's go on to the next one here. Um, we talked about this in scarring alopecia, the oh, traction yeah. alopecia. This mm -hmm. is a very common one we see. Um I often see too, another we didn't touch base on um, in the 80s. Remember when women used to tease the heck out of yeah. the top of their hair? <laughs> big hair, big hair time. <laughs> I yeah. find that also too, they, a lot of the women now who wore their hair like that have follicle damage and it's quite thin in the spots that they used yep. to tease. And it was because um, of the high amounts of alcohol hairspray that build up the clogged follicles and then the hair teasing and yeah. I, yeah. that that's a fun one I could get that age demographic I'm like were you an 80s kid <laughs> <laughs> we are we are kind of 80s kids so <laughs> <laughs> or 80s teenager were you an 80s uh fashionista <laughs> <laughs> so guys about traction alopecia one detail that we need to understand here is you know if you're pulling your hair too much with the hairstyling is gonna fall off simple as that so you need to cut on those uh, pulling 
uh, type of uh, hairstyles. I mean, I have many people, they, they, they live with their ponytails. Yeah. They yeah. love their ponytails and they, mm -hmm. they love it so much. Pulling their hair so tight and you will see a band of yeah, hair right. loss mm -hmm. all across the frontal area and even from all the borderline, uh, all the peri perimeter across the scalp. And, you know, the only way that we are going to be able to deal with this is by people stop pulling their hair. It's as simple as that. People need to stop pulling their hair. The same thing uh, with braids. And we have people, they, they, they love their braiding and they look beautiful. But if it's too tight, it's too tight and you need to loosen it up, man. You need to loosen them up. And until you do that, then uh, we will start, we will, we will only be seeing hair breakage and of course, uh, follicular damage across the area. So and there's another one, which we don't talk about too often, but even wearing baseball caps and bandanas, my husband oh, was a trained yep. chef for many, many years and yeah. chefs often are wearing the bandanas and that causes traction alopecia uh, too. Yeah. And yeah. so to be aware of that, and I get asked that question of often with helmets, hats, um, bandanas, yes, yes, I can cause traction alopecia because it's the friction constantly exactly. rubbing on that scalp. So is there ways that you would recommend to prevent that? Because I know that's going to be asked. I mean, for guys, specifically with a hat, you know, they have the hat and I will say, once you place your hat, place it, you know, make it loose enough so that whenever you shake your hat, you're not pulling your hair. But if it's too tight, then every time you shake your hat, you're going to be pulling your hair. So, you know, wear a hat, you know, to be loose enough so that you're not pulling your hair. And if you cannot wear a hat a full day without shaking that thing off, don't wear a hat at all. <laughs> and Simple also the type, the type of the material, the material, yeah. because these hats are made from nylon, you know. It, it, will, it will depend on the hat. I mean, yeah. I'm not a hat guy uh, or, or a cap guy. I, I, I never am. But, you know, uh, every time I wear one, you know, uh, I will wear it for about an hour. I will stop yeah. feeling the heat and I will just remove it because you just can't have it. But yeah. there's people who love their caps, who love their yeah. hats. And, you know, it's okay. You can wear them. But, but. Please, there's a limit to it, man, because you're going to be pulling your hair out. As simple as yeah. that. And clean them, too. I find a lot yeah. of people, especially like if they're wearing hockey helmets or the hard helmets, and then mm -hmm. they get, you know, oh, rashes. Oh, sports guys. That, those are the worst. Those are the worst. They yeah. don't clean it up. Yeah, clean that with alcohol. You know, yeah. take a makeup pad, borrow, get some makeup pads with some alcohol, clean that area. Um, I know there's a lot of great videos on how to clean your baseball caps. We put my husband's in the dishwasher. Um, like there's a lot of great ways that you could clean them, but you don't want that bacteria buildup to cause a fungus. That again will lead into um, more issues. So, yeah. There's a complete culture of fungus in there. Those things, guys. Oh, yeah. That's like a community. You got to clean them up. You got to clean them up. <laughs> All right. Another one. This is one of my favorite topics, obviously, because I'm a hairstylist, hair fiber conditions. Um, I work with hair regularly, so hair fiber is something I'm always analyzing, um, especially with hairdressing if it's been over bleached, over processed, but also too, I could pinpoint on hair too if you've had recent diets or if you're doing, if you're malnourished or if you're stressed, um, I might see your gray hair turn 
go a little quite fast and come in quite fast or dry or dull. And I, I could tell a lot, like if you have very dull hair, I might consider and ask you, maybe you're a little malnourished. So hair fiber is a big one. That's seeing split ends, breakage, dryness, dullness, oiliness. I don't even have that on there. Frizziness. Like it's mm -hmm. all of that. I could talk about hair fiber all day. <laughs> Mm -hmm. And in trichology, in trichological terms, even the terms are, we can't even sometimes say them. Trichonondosa and like so many, so many trichological. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We, we'll try and put them in, in layman's terms because we can't say them. And sometimes yes, it's as simple really as hard. a split end. <laughs> yeah, it's really hard. Trichonosa. I can't even say that. <laughs> now, the thing about hair, about hair, um, hair fiber conditions is uh, we need to separate. There are two types, okay? We have the congenital type and we also have the acquired type. Mm. So we say that again? Yeah, say that again. All right. So in terms of trichology, trichological terms, in, trichol oh, in trichological terms, guys, <laughs> we have two types of hair fiber uh, classifications the ones that are acquired and the ones that are congenital. Now, on the congenital side of things, uh, basically you were born with it with a deficiency that naturally makes the hair brittle and it will break, it will freeze, it will split. Um, basically, you can try to improve over time uh, the quality of the hair, but that is something that you're going to be living for the rest of your life. Now, for most people, it's all about working with uh, excessive heat, excessive mm -hmm. chemicals, excessive traction, uh, the type of uh, hairbrush uh, or hair uh, tools that you're using, mm -hmm. and of course about environment, the type of water that it's running uh, on the pipes that you know goes to your house. Uh, is Even it hot temperature, water? temperature yeah. too. Temperature runs big time. I know people like to wash, uh, you know, bathe at hot water, but hot water, like enough to boil. <laughs> I mean, you want to cook your hair? Is that the thing? <laughs> you don't want to cook your hair. I mean, you want to bathe. You want to wash your hair. So it has to be at a temperature that is comfortable enough. And, and, the, and the final and main area uh, will be nutritional deficiencies. Now, many people don't think about nutritional deficiencies as a way to uh, affect the hair fiber, to increase hair breakage and things in that order. Now, I want to leave that to Bizan because Biz, this is your area of expertise right now. So, Well, yeah, I mean, uh, if you run it, and you guys both know that if you run an epigenetic test on your hair, you know exactly what the deficiency in the body is. And whenever there is hair fiber disorder, means that it's beyond even nutrition deficiencies. It may be like a couple of factors. Maybe it started with nutrition deficiency, then it coupled with the bad styling habits. It coupled with, uh, as you said, temperatures or, um, or even sometimes um, I, f I, I feel that uh, uh, sleeping on harsh surfaces also may break your hair, especially if you have fine or thin hair. Uh, that's why if you sleep on um, uh, on a, on a uh, like silk silk pillows will actually help uh, prevent or prevent any dryness in your hair fibers because even hundred percent cotton pillows that we all used to sleep on uh, it will 
take the moisture out of your hair fiber and it makes it dry and it will encourage the breakage. It will encourage the split ends and the dryness. Um, so like as, like as always with hair, your hair will tell you what is going on with you. And in a way that, um, that simple test uh, with epigenetic tests, you can know. And if you go to a hairstylist who actually educated about these hair fiber conditions, she can help you because overstyling is not good. Uh, doing Overdoing anything is not good. So um, especially with the acquired one, the congenital one, maybe you can work from inside, but the acquired one, actually, I think the acquired one is a bit easier than the, the congenital one the acquired one you can stop the habit or at least reverse it um, but the, the co-genital one will be a little bit harder because you have to dig deeper deeper inside to know what's causing it now about treatment options carrie uh people like the thing you know trimming the hair will be the only thing that you will need is that right or what else people need to understand about hair fiber conditions and how to treat it yeah, well, hair fiber treatments, definitely cutting and maintaining that is a key one, uh, mainly because once you get a split end or breakage, the only way to get it out is to blunt it off and not trim and still have that split in there because it will just travel and create more damage. It'll travel up the hair shaft. Um, and you can do treatments, but a lot of times people go get treatments, but they'll over treatment. So they'll do protein mm -hmm. treatments. But when you do protein treatment or keratin treatment on top of each other over and over, over, eventually it becomes brittle and breaks as well. So there's a lot of things that you got to keep it moisturized. Um, maybe in the, if you are where I am in winter, I have to have more oils and serums protected than I do in the summer like there's a lot of factors to consider like this could be a whole three episode discussion this one this topic but there's a lot of factors um in a lot of times people are like oh I don't cut my hair I'll just let it grow well the thing is is remember our hair is like a tree with bark every quarter of an inch is a month behind us so if say here I go back so many inches that time period, say that was two years ago, I went on a specific diet or I took a specific medication. Well, the only way for me to get that out is either to maintain it while it's being brittle so that way it doesn't break more or cut it out and let it grow out because that's in there until it's cut out. There's nothing that you can do. You could put a Band-Aid on it to maintain it, but it's not going away until that's cut out because it's in the hair shaft. Um so, yeah, there's a lot of things like hair fiber. I could talk about this all day. Let's do an episode on hair fiber conditions. Then. We need, we need a full episode it. on this. We need a full yeah. episode on it. And my uh, favorite one, I'm going to share one trick, though, with you guys. Like one thing, yes. one key thing to keeping beautiful, shiny hair is balancing the pH. And I find oh, a yes. lot of people don't use serums enough. Even if your hair is dry, brittle, broken, everything, you could still, serums and keeping that pH balance is the key to everything. And now with that being said, um, I find a lot of times people will have long hair and they think to keep it safe is put it wet in a tight bun or a tight braid. Well, the thing is, our hair has, elastic, has more elasticity when it's wet, so it'll stretch. Yep, it will stretch. So next time you're in the shower, take your hair while it's wet and see how far it stretches yeah. when it's wet and when it's dry. And so when they go and put their ponytail in, 
and I see this commonly people with long hair and they're always like my hair has so much breakage it split ends and I always see in the back of the head in the one patch where they would have a ponytail or where their bun would be turned around and I'd be like yeah you wear your hair in a wet bun and like how'd you know that do you follow me I'm like telling me and it's because they'll put their hair in a tight red wet braid at bedtime or a tight bun and then when it starts to dry what happens the tension just like a rope will eventually snap and once you get and once you get split ends once you get split ends they fork and they fork together and you've gotten forks together they get stuck and then you pull them more causing more split ends and it spreads just like you know when your kids play with glitter and glitter gets everywhere that's the same with the split ends. Same thing. And those are hair fiber issues. A lot of people don't realize like, well, I'm doing everything I'm supposed to. I'm using the conditioner. I'm brushing away. I'm supposed to. I'm like, yeah, but you're putting your hair in a wet ponytail. So. Yeah. And also sometimes we do two things we, we don't get like we are not aware of. We we brush our hair very quickly because we're in a hurry. Ooh, that's like chalkboard sounds for me. Yeah, literally. <laughs> yeah. I know. And, and the second thing is how you dry your hair after after the shower. Like you cannot bring the the hot. You cannot do that. Yeah, you can't <laughs> take the towel and shake shake your head. You can't. Yeah. <laughs> it has to be tapping, tapping, tapping. Using microfiber towels, not not harsh towels. You know, or a con shirt. Con shirt. Go to Value Village or your local thrift shop. Get some old con shirts. Those are the best for absorbing moisture out of the hair, especially yeah. for people with fine weaving hair. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Also, uh, one of the things with hair fiber condition, guys, it's conditioning. You have to yeah. condition your hair. Now, many people, when they use a conditioner, they will only leave it for about 30 seconds and remove it. You have to leave it at least five minutes. At you know least what? five no, minutes. No. They're getting you know. better. They have one. I'm not kidding. I am going to endorse it because it's an amazing product, Milkshake. They have this super okay. 10 second deep conditioner with glycerin in it i'm not kidding it is literally put in for 10 seconds and it does its trick <laughs> i've well, never it, seen it, anything as, like as long it. as it works you know i need to see that i need to see that yeah, yeah. i haven't seen that one yet it's a magic potion oh my all goodness. right but with conditioner it's also using the conditioner for your hair type and yeah. for the season so like all my clients because we have a harsh summer we have a harsh winter so i make sure they have the right one for the summer they have the right one for the winter and so for winter if they're doing conditioner i tell you only from the shoulders down until your hair starts until you're able to comb your fingers through the hair essentially mm -hmm. like until it feels like it's nourished and it's mm -hmm. absorbed a lot of that and then mm -hmm. rinse it out and try to rinse it out with cooler water because what happens is when the hot water is on the hair, the cuticle swells and opens up. But when you put the cold water, it shrinks. And so it hugs it into there. And so that's why you're using the cool water to rinse out the conditioner. So, and even if you don't want to go under, like in the conditioner, you're only putting it from mid shafts down. Unless you have a dry scalp, I will put like a daily conditioner on my ends and then a heavier conditioner on my end or a daily conditioner on my roots. And then a heavier conditioner on my mid shafts ends to balance pH. But the whole point of conditioner is to help detangle and balance the pH of the hair. And one more point here. If you put the heavy conditioner on your scalp, they are big molecules. They're very heavy. It actually makes your hair very, like, you know, not, it doesn't give it volume. It makes it very, looks very thick. You look greasy. Yes, thank <laughs> you. That's the word I'm looking for. <laughs> And yeah. that is why you guys are watching the hair wire to get hair smart. You're getting hair smart today right now, guys. <laughs> okay, we got to move on to the next topic because I will be here forever. <laughs> All right, we got about three minutes left. So uh, you tell me, Carrie. 
Scalp conditions. We need to talk about this one real quick because we as trichologists also see scalp conditions quite often. My favorite one with scalp conditions is I always have people coming in saying they have dandruff when it's a dry scalp. So it's is knowing. It? Yeah. Is it, <laughs> is it really? Is it really? <laughs> so as trichologists, we see a lot of scalp conditions, you know, psoriasis, eczema, dermatitis, focalitis, fungal, we see we see it all. Um, but as it, me, as where I am, I see dry scalp and dandruff all the time. And oftentimes you have somebody coming in with dry scalp and they self-medicate thinking they have dandruff, causing dandruff. Mm-hmm. Because that, that's the thing, you know, whenever they, they uh, see flakiness, and they relate that to regular dandruff. Uh, dandruff shampoos are gonna make the scalp even more dry, and you will start seeing even more flakiness. So it, it's about you know turn the turn it sideways, so do, do the other way around, and mm -hmm. you know, please visit a trichologist, friends. Visit a trichologist. Visit to thehairwire.com. Go to our website and see where you can find good trichologists. Uh, in your uh, for for you, you know, you have right here three three colleges. We have Canada, we got Florida, we got Puerto Rico. So choose one, yeah, <laughs> choose yeah. one, and, you know, and visit a three colleges, guys. Even if it's online, we offer online services right now, guys. So we can help you out uh, and identify properly what's happening to your scalp. Now. Uh, Biz, let's talk about scalp conditions here, please. What's Can happening? Can I interject people? real quick? Please. We are working on the website. The website is a work in progress, but there is a geolocating map that we will have eventually. So right now, if you want to talk to a trichologist right now, you could talk to us and we do virtually, but eventually we'll have a geodirectory map where you could go pinpoint a trichologist that you want to see in person that we endorse and say that we vouch for them they are certified um then you could go to them in that area so if you do know any trichologists or a trichologist help us populate that geolocation map once we get that going it should be up live by next week fingers crossed sorry if it's time to cut you off oh yeah, yeah. and, and, and you, guys, you guys you have three languages not english so you yeah. speak spanish i speak arabic and carrie speaks french oui, je parle so, français. exactly <laughs> Exactly. So you, you you guys can uh, can just go and have uh, put your put your questions underneath each episode, and we will be happy to address it the next episode. Um, because now we're running out of time, but scalp conditions can be a one full episode with all the pictures, and we can discuss it one condition at a time. But yes, you need to be to understand what kind of condition. It is not dandruff all the time. There's even psoriasis, there's eczema, all kinds of seborrheic dermatitis is a big one too, especially here in Florida with wet weather. But anyway, um, uh, ask us questions. Just put your question in, in the comments and we will get back to you even in Spanish, Arabic, or French. And um, stay tuned in the hair wire. <laughs> <laughs> Now, again, you guys, why do you need to get an assessment? Sergio, take me home. Easy peasy, guys. You need help because if you're going to educate yourself, you're going to take years before you figure out what's happening to you here. Also, if you're not doing it already, you are spending too much money trying to find out a one solution. You're not going to find a one solution to your hair. What's going to happen is you're going to find something that will work uh, for a little time, and then you're going to go back again to what's happening to you. So if you will really want to stop at the shortest route right now, 
visit a trichologist. Let's find out what's happening to your hair, what's happening to your scalp, and we will develop a treatment plan that will move you forward to the different stages until you get right. You know why I love trichology? I, as, as you know, I was working in scientific labs as a researcher for a long time, but all diseases, all diseases, strokes even, they're acute diseases uh, or chronic diseases, every person says, first thing they say, my hair. 